You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Folks, what we saw last night, Brown University, so inappropriate. You have the president of Brown, President Paxson, tries to set up a thoughtful vigil for the student who was shot in Burlington, Vermont. And they also dropped the charges against those students who would not leave the president's office. And instead, it turns into shouting and a protest and screaming and this whole business of uh, they want Brown to divest. They had, it also should be pointed out, the media wasn't pointing out, when you see the the red hands, someone in the media said, oh, they're wearing red gloves. Well, no, that's a famous photo of a Palestinian who killed two members of the IDF and then had the blood of them on his hands as he was then at a window. So when you see that type of photo and there were people standing there and then they're surrounding the president with their red hands and the media is just saying, oh, and some of them had red gloves on. They're, They're not even pointing out that the message of that is that was Jewish blood of a Palestinian that had killed two Israelis and and the message is, and there will be more. So it's a violent message and a violent image. It had no business being at this vigil. And good luck trying to get... Local media once again drops the ball, gives them a pass, doesn't even say how inappropriate it was, with doing that, this is what you do at a vigil. It turns into screaming and chanting. And, you know, I also want to mention for all these students saying this is so horrific, this is a hate crime. Three Palestinians were shot in Burlington, Vermont, and this is a hate crime. It is a hate crime. You know what else is a hate crime? The fact uh, all this aggression. And what happened on October 7th in all of the killing of members of the Jewish committee, that's a hate crime. So, oh, you're all upset. Yeah, that was, isn't it awful? He shot them because they were speaking in Arabic and dressed as Palestinians. Yes, it is horrible. It is a hate crime. But on top of that, why don't you acknowledge what the people of Israel have been going through as far as hate crimes? Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, there's been an arrest now with this individual involved with the shooting. Brown student, two others in Vermont. So apparently, over the course of the weekend, this individual just went up to these three different people. Now, granted, they're Palestinians, but, I mean, they're in Vermont, and... I believe Channel 12 has the latest on this. The suspect in the shooting of three men of Palestinian descent. Student from Brown among the victims. 12 News reporter Jake Holter, live in Providence right now with the latest on this investigation. Well, Patrick and Kate, police in Burlington have identified the suspect as 48-year-old Jason Eaton. Now, authorities have reportedly collected evidence from his apartment, and he's expected to be arraigned in court later today. Now, in the meantime, Brown University has confirmed to 12 News that one of its students is among the victims of this shooting. Brown identifying the student as Hisham Awartani, a junior at the school. He was shot Saturday night in Burlington near the University of Vermont campus. Burlington police say the group was walking down the street when a white man approached them, firing off four rounds. Police say the suspect then fled the scene. Officials say two of the victims were wearing kafias at the time of the shooting, so police are investigating whether the students were targeted because of their Arab heritage. Awartani's uncle speaking out. The truth of the matter is these are three Arab-looking young men wearing kafiyas, which are sort of traditional Palestinian scarves, speaking Arabic, walking down the street. It, it, it's, uh, it, it's, a, it's certainly a strong possibility, and we shudder at the thought that this might be a hate crime. 
Now, the university president says while the student remains hospitalized, he is expected to survive. A vigil was held in Burlington last night for the shooting victims. And tonight, a vigil for peace and healing will take place here at Brown University to try to bring the community together. That is scheduled for 4.30 tonight. For now, live in Providence, Jake Holter, 12 News. You know, it sure sounds like it is, uh, without question. Over the course of the weekend, Mark Patinkin wrote a piece about the anti-Semitism problem in Providence. Someone finally is talking about it. But then you also have this story. It's in the L.A. Times. A Jewish professor at USC confronted pro-Palestinian students. He's now barred from campus. So until recently, USC professor John Strauss, known mostly for his research, on the economics of developing countries, field work in Indonesia and China. So he's a Jewish professor, and that changed November 9th. He stopped before students staging a walkout and a protest calling for a ceasefire at the Gaza Strip. And uh, so this guy is walking past them, and he goes into his class, and then when he comes out, this is interesting he's talking about hamas and he said i I, listen i i hope they're all killed so these students go up and instead they they post that he's claiming that he wants all palestinians killed where on the tape that's that's not what he said he was the the students one of them yelled shame on you to him prior to this and he responded like well shame on you but instead you know he's under fire and they collected signatures demanding that he be that he be fired they had nine thousand um signing you know now they're all doing petitions about this and what it really comes to though is these students purposely misled and misrepresented what this man he's a professor what his comments were and then you also realize how quickly it can rocket so when they posted it oh wow look at that he's saying all palestinians should be killed that you know and you can imagine then there's a a a reaction a very volatile reaction as a matter of fact where then they they start uh, going after the guy, but that that was by deny uh, by design. And there's one USC student, and she's a female, only wants to go by her first name. Um, and then she says, "Say it again for the camera." Now again, the man was talking to them, to the students, and said, "I I, I just think Hamas should be destroyed." and every single one of them a terrorist and they they should be killed so he stops he's talking to them he's a professor leaving his class and says you people are ignorant and you know as they start to engage him he says hamas are murderers that's all they are everyone should be killed i hope they are all killed but instead the student records the everyone should be killed i hope they're all killed and then posted online look what this man is saying about all palestinians now that's not what he was saying about palestinians but they don't care they don't care what they do to him they don't care what they do to his his life and then suddenly the university says well we we would appreciate if you if you don't you know come to the campus so this individual, I don't even know why they, they're just identifying her by one name, not both names. Um, he's claiming that they were that they were doctored, they were edited. And it certainly seems to be edited or clipped in a deceptive manner. So, but it's it's more of leaving by something, leaving it out and just trimming it to a few seconds of him saying everyone should be killed that's that's the the part about it that puts this in a different atmosphere is it it was purposely done to be misleading it was purposely done to put out that every one of them 
should be killed when in essence he was was talking about the terrorists the members of hamas so and then first this group clarified he did not say he wanted palestinians to be killed but hamas then they walked it back with this hateful rhetoric you can draw your own conclusion about whether or not he wished death just upon hamas or civilians as well so as a result of that see but they don't care they don't care what's accurate they don't care what they do to this guy's life it's not about that um in hindsight this man who's a professor at on a college campus would have been better off not engaging them not saying anything and just going about his day and then they make an example out of someone like that because that's really what their design is to make an example and intimidate people folks you're listening to the john DePietro show this portion of the program is brought to you by the lodge pub and eatery 40 breakneck hill road in lincoln pop in and see them whether it's for lunch nice weather you can sit outside on the deck or maybe sit in the dining room delicious food then they also have a great full bar large dining area and you're going to love the lounge the lodge pub and eatery people rave about their delicious consistent great food and also the great staff i'll see you at the lodge pub and eatery 40 breakneck hill road in lincoln you're listening to the john DePetro show now if you log on to the website dipetro.com we have the video there was a domestic incident in uh, west warwick yesterday the fugitive went into the east greenwich warwick line they then got you had warwick police west warwick police state police canines and then suddenly you had the suspect on the loose so they were behind the showcase cinema in the, right in the warwick east greenwich line started there then the suspect ran um i think i'm not sure if that's i think that's warwick actually um ran over there anyhow if you log on we have the full video it was pretty good they ended up catching this individual who then proceeded to have a complete meltdown um but it's it's interesting to me when they have these fugitive chases great job by the uh, local police working together by the way great job by warwick west warwick state police with the canines they flushed that guy out it was really terrific and some people were remarking at the number of law enforcement that were there i i think it's positive um you know we do have strong law enforcement and they don't allow things to go by and they don't approach things in a haphazard manner so when i see the police presence that comes out in something like that as opposed to what they're taking action they're getting a dangerous individual off the street um this this lawlessness of people you know you had the johnson officer someone shooting at the johnson officer and then you had this individual running from police it's not the way it works we need people to follow the law respect law enforcement when they tell you to pull over you pull over when they tell you to stop we'd like to ask you ask you some questions you stop and uh, granted it's your right not to answer questions but depending on what it is you uh, can be very cordial about it even if you want to exercise your right to not have to say anything but all this running just doesn't go anywhere so but again you can see the manhunt it's right on the website, petro.com Of all the live coverage we do, I really uh, find it because it's so interesting. And then the, the suspect ended up being, he was 10, 10 to 12 feet away from me. He was trying to act like he was just on his phone. And then the, the dog went right up to him. So then they, they, you know, nailed him. So again, you can see all the video. It was pretty good. Um, I like when they get the canines involved. And again, great job by law enforcement folks you're listening to the john DePietro show it's christmas time at pr landscape materials and garden center christmas season is underway fraser fir trees 3688 quaker lane in north kingstown rhode island's number one garden center 
potted live trees, custom handmade wreaths, 10 inch to even 60 inches in sizes. Think how, think how great that would look outside your business. They have Christmas swag, mistletoe, hanging baskets, roping, cut greens, decorative pots, cemetery baskets, Christmas crafts, gift certificates are available at PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. Look for them on Facebook. Florist Quality Poinsettias. They also have custom-made sleds from a local artist. Firewood is available. Pick up a delivery. They're open every single day now right through Christmas Eve. Look for them on Facebook. It's PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center this Christmas season. Stop in and see them. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. I like this clip. Modern logic in Biden's America. An armed robber threatened store employees with an illegal firearm and met his fate. And then the family saying that was wrong, the clerk, to shoot my brother. Yeah, he was robbing them, but they they didn't need to shoot. And that's that's the logic. Watch, there'll end up being a lawsuit here. I want to play this audio. Their brother, who police say was an armed robber, was gunned down by a store clerk. The pair acknowledges it was, he, that he was wrong for Roosevelt Grafley to try and rob the Dollar General on North Gettysburg Avenue, but they say the clerk shouldn't have had a gun at work. Rochelle and Juan Bradley say their younger brother, Roosevelt Bradley, was the second of ten siblings killed by gunfire. I still don't believe it. By, at the end of the day, I don't believe my brother is dead. It ain't kicked And they're furious about how it happened. At the end of the day, that's not right. Police say a Dollar General clerk shot and killed 23-year-old Roosevelt, who showed a gun and demanded cash Wednesday. Witnesses indicated that the weapon was brandished and pointed at, at employees. The siblings recognize their brother's wrongdoing. He got some responsibility, but not all. But they say that still doesn't warrant the clerk's actions. Right and wrong is wrong. That was wrong for that clerk to shoot my brother in the chest. Yes, he's robbing out. Oh, well. Police say the clerk was legally allowed to have the gun. Meanwhile, officers are looking into the possibility Rapley may have been involved in several other commercial robberies. I mean, does that? Someone that gets robbed does. I believe it was in Dayton, Ohio. So the family you hear, they're upset. Their brother went into a store, and a, a clerk also legally brought a gun. This guy goes in, brandishing the weapon, demanding cash. Instead, the clerk shoots and kills him, and they're upset, saying that their brother, who was attempting to rob the Dollar General with a handgun, that the clerk didn't have the right to do that. Their brother, who police say was an armed robber, was gunned down by a store clerk. The pair acknowledges it was, that he was wrong for Roosevelt Grafley to try and rob the Dollar General on North Gettysburg Avenue, but they say the clerk shouldn't have had a gun at work. Rochelle and Juan Bradley say their younger brother, Roosevelt Bradley, was the second of ten siblings killed by gunfire. I still don't believe it. By, at the end of the day, I don't believe my brother is dead. He is. And they're furious about how it happened. At the end of the day, that's not right. Police say a Dollar General clerk shot and killed 23-year-old Roosevelt, who showed a gun and demanded cash Wednesday. Witnesses indicated that the weapon was brandished and pointed at, at employees. The siblings recognize their brother's wrongdoing. He got some responsibility, but not all. But they say that still doesn't warrant the clerk's actions. Right and wrong is wrong. That was wrong for that clerk to shoot my brother in the chest. Yes, he's robbing out. Oh, well. I don't mean to laugh, but like, are you kidding me? An armed robber threatened store employees with an illegal firearm and met his inevitable fate. And they're upset. They're upset. And saying that it was wrong for the clerk to do that. Maybe the brother shouldn't have entered the store with the handgun. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. 
AJ, drywall, plaster, home improvement. Call them today for a free quote. You can also find them on Facebook, 401-323-9252. 323-9252, AJ, drywall, plasters, home improvement, frame to finish basements. What a difference it'll make in your basement. Acoustic ceilings. Look how beautiful your ceiling could be. New homes, additions. Also, commercial rehabs, painting, remodeling. Contact them today. It's a family-run business. AJ Drywall Plaster Home Improvements. Call for a free quote. What a difference they'll make in your home, your ceilings, floors, basements. 401-323-9252. What a difference. Beautiful walls and ceilings. 401-323-9252. You can also find them on Facebook. It's AJ Drywall Plaster and Home Improvements for your home or business. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Well, credit to police in Vermont. They moved very quickly with that shooting on the three college students who happen to be Palestinian. Let's hear the chief break down how the case came together. Thank you, sir. Uh, and hello, everyone. My name is John Murad. I am the chief of police here in Burlington. Um, and first of all, I want to acknowledge that three young men have been the victims of an unprovoked and terrible crime and that their lives have been changed forever. One in particular faces a tremendous struggle and recovery with injuries that may be lifelong. They've been named elsewhere, but uh, in, in my personal communications with the family and in detectives' communications with the vi victims initially, that was not something that they wanted, uh, and so our communications thus far have not named them. But in their innocence and their suffering, and for that of their families and their community and our community, that can't go without mention. Um, and next, I, I want to share uh, details about this incident and the investigation as we currently know them. And all of this is preliminary information for an investigation that is ongoing. And this is only the beginning of this investigation for our detectives, for the Office of the State's Attorney, and uh, for our federal partners as well. We allege that Jason J. Eaton, 48, committed three acts of attempted murder. On Saturday, November 25th of 2023, at approximately uh, 1826 hours, in front of an address at 69 North Prospect Street, we received calls that people had been shot and there had been gunfire. Uh, officers arrived and found two men shot at that location being tended to by people from the address who had brought out uh, blankets to cover them. It was a very cold night. Uh, both of these men were incapacitated by, that, by the, the gunfire, but they were talking and conscious. Uh, another individual was located on a street to the east, also suffering from a gunshot wound. That individual was transported directly to the hospital by Burlington police officers. Uh, the first two young men were treated on the scene in an emergency response sense by our great partners at the Burlington Fire Department and then were transported to the University of Vermont Medical Center. This began now uh, a, a, an investigation. Um, unfortunately, we have become all too good at this in this city. Uh, we have gone from a city that routinely saw two gunfire incidents a year to a city that saw 26 last year, and I believe this was number 16 or 15 of this year. Uh, we responded, our detectives were called out, our identification unit or, or the CSI kind of unit that we have was called out, and so was the Chittenden County Gun Violence Task Force, which uh, was, was a creation um, of Alex Schmidt at the ATF, uh, of, of this police department, and of partners at Milton, at Colchester, at the South Burlington Police Department. Uh, all of these uh, members, uh, excuse me, responded to this incident, and we began the things that we do. Evidence recovery, a canvas, uh, a partner with Fish and Wildlife brought a canine. That canine did a track, but was most instrumental in finding additional evidence at the scene uh, that was hidden and obscured in the grass. Um, we recovered ballistics evidence at that scene. Uh, a, we recovered shell casings from a 380 semi-automatic uh, and that was Hornady ammunition with a red tip. Um, both of those things aren't entirely usual. They're, they're not uncommon, but uh, we see 9 millimeters more often than we see 380s, uh, and that was something of note. Obviously, this was only the beginning of an investigation. The young men were interviewed by detectives 
they stated that the person had not made any comments to them and had merely approached them while they were walking down the street, uh, essentially minding their own business. Um, and they were uh, speaking in a mixture of English and Arabic, uh, which is, is their want. Two were wearing kafiyas, uh, and they had no uh, knowledge of this individual, had not encountered him before. He stepped off a porch and produced a firearm and began discharging that firearm. Uh, we recovered rounds, excuse me, uh, ballistics consistent with, with four rounds and all three of the individuals were, of the young men were struck. Um, our detectives uh, worked that scene. Uh, we closed the scene once we had uh, recovered all the evidence that we could and we began the processes to follow this through uh, in the new day. So on Sunday, uh, we began new interviews with witnesses, with the uh, victims who were available to us. One was not, owing to medical treatment. We began re-canvassing. Patrol officers, which are the backbone of any police department, had done that kind of work at the initial response. Um, uh, canvases, knocking on doors, attempting to see whether there were cameras in the vicinity. Unfortunately, we did not have a lot of good camera coverage as we have in other incidents in our downtown. Uh, but today, on Sunday, detectives began to do that again, again, working with detectives out of that Chittenden County Gun Violence Task Force and with new partners too. So not only are our normal uh, long-term partners in the ATF, but new partners as well, uh, folks with whom we have strong relationships but don't have occasion to work as often, but were brought in by the tremendous amount of uh, concern and attention that this case garnered at the highest levels of uh, government. Uh, I received personal calls from both senators, uh, from our congresswoman. Uh, we knew the governor was paying attention to this case and we knew uh, that it was being addressed at the highest levels as well as the mayor's phone call with the president just now indicates. Uh, the FBI brought in a number of people uh, and were able to augment our uh, resources as we pursued this case. At approximately, uh, just after 3.30, uh, excuse me, at approximately 15.38, during a door knock canvas at the location of the shooting, uh, members of the ATF knocked on a door that had been closed the night before. Officers that the previous night had done a sweep of that entire location for both investigatory reasons and for security. So officers, armed officers went through that, uh, that apartment building, but we did not have probable cause to go into every single apartment. So if people answered the doors, we spoke to them. And if they didn't, or if the apartment appeared closed, it is in fact a holiday weekend, uh, we had no uh, legal authority to go into units in that moment, especially since at least one witness had indicated that the shooter had in fact left the scene heading north. And so the notion of being able to just enter apartments was, was not available to us. We instead did this re-canvas door knock, and upon knocking on one door, uh, the ATF agents were greeted by a man who uh, stepped out of the hall, out of the door towards them with his palms up at waist height and stated something to the effect of, I've been waiting for you. The ATF agents said, why is that? And the gentleman said in some substance, I would like a lawyer. Uh, he stepped into the hallway. They moved between him and the door and said, well, why is that? Uh, he stated, uh, I, I would like a lawyer. Do you have any guns in there? He stated that he had one. They asked if he had any others. He stated again, I think I would like a lawyer. At that point, he was detained. He was taken to our uh, police headquarters by a marked cruiser of the Burlington Police Department. And we swept that location only for security, uh, which is a different level of sweep than a search closed the locations, uh, secured it, and then obtained a search warrant, uh, working closely with the state's attorney's office and with the U.S. attorney's office to make certain that that warrant was something that was going to be useful to both if it came to being something that we would use. Boy, let every uh, case be able to end like that. Still, they got it done pretty quick. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Admed Urgent Care. Walk-in urgent care center, all your medical needs. They're open seven days a week, doctors and nurses. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston. That's right in the Atwood Medical Center, 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's. Again, they're open seven days a week. 
at Med Urgent Care. When you need urgent care without the wait now, when I've been in that situation and I needed urgent care, that's where I went. If you want to go to an emergency room and have a long wait, well, you're free to do that. Otherwise, do what I did. Go to at Med Urgent Care, whether it's work-related, maybe someone's not feeling well, someone needs stitches, whatever it may be, at Med Urgent Care, comprehensive outpatient urgent care facility. There's two locations, one near you, Johnston, right in the Atwood Medical Center, and also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich. That's right across from Felicia's. When you need, and I need, urgent care, you want AtMed Urgent Care. Again, two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston in the Atwood Medical Center and 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich. Seven days a week, doctors and nurses, AtMed Urgent Care. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Let's go with some of the Sunday morning political shows this week talking about the republican primary i agree with the panelists saying as much as everyone seems to think this would be fun if it was competitive right now there's no evidence to show that this race is anything remotely close on the Republican side to competitive. ...have raised their hand and said, with the exception of Chris Christie, who just had on, and said that they would accept Donald Trump as the nominee of their party and support him again, including Nikki Haley, who said that. And that's the problem. Many of these Republicans are running to be Trump-like. They want to um, be a typical candidate like Donald Trump. Look at Mr. DeSantis. In tone and policy... He's like Donald Trump. I mean, even uh, former Governor Haley, who has been rising in the poll because of her debate performances, she has also tried to shy away from attacking Donald Trump because at the end of the day, if those Trump voters start to peel off, they want to capture them. So this is... Again, a race for number two. Well, number it, one is Donald Trump. Let's I mean, that's just what be I was honest. Trying. He probably likes the fact that I called him number one. <laughs> well, but the fact Although of the matter... his ma- opponents have raised their hand. The, the fact of the matter is um, they, they try... Christie's nowhere attacking him. Why would you attack him? It's not working. It's not working at all. Uh, it's doing just the opposite. And DeSantis is not the big candidate that they thought it was going to be. He's he's simply not the candidate that they thought, even though he did have the money. Now they're trying to say Nikki Haley. There's no one. Are they doing better? Yeah, they're doing better, but they're not eclipsing President Trump. Let's hear more from this week. See, it's almost like there was one assignment editor at all the uh, major <laughs> newspapers. You know, Nikki Haley consolidating the never Trump vote. Could Haley really beat Trump? Donors are daring to dream. Wall Street eyes Nikki Haley as a Trump spoiler. So, is, is this Nikki Haley's moment? <laughs> you know, all these guys they thought Ron DeSantis might be the one, and Fox News and some of the big donors they rally around the Florida governor. Remember, just a year ago, coming off of his big reelection victory in Florida, he was touted as you know the Trump killer, and he wasn't, and he wasn't, and he turned out to be a paper tiger. He turned out to be a very unappealing candidate. He had made a decision to go to the hard right of Trump's. Uh, he's Trump light, as Donna said, except without the personality. And so Nikki Haley, the numbers don't, to me, I mean, Rick is the numbers guy here, but, you know, to me, the numbers don't suggest that she uh, is running for number one so much as number two. I agree with that. And again, she, it's all relative. I mean, they, is she doing better than she was? Yes. Is she doing better than some people in the field? I guess so. But. The fact of the matter is, it's it's still, it's still not going anywhere. Now let's go to meet the press. Would DeSantis drop out to clear the way for Nikki Haley? Is the question. Trump. He was in South Carolina last night. He was in her state. He's beating her in her state, but she says she can take it. She's very confident, she says, but can she? Well, she's clearly run the best campaign of anybody, not Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. She, has, she has asserted herself in the debates. She has shown herself to be serious and understand the issues. The problem is she's still very far behind, and you have a divided other half of, of, of the party. And I think as long as someone named Ron DeSantis is still in this race, it's very hard for her to get there. Now, Donald Trump is below 50% in Iowa. 
generally in the polls. And you, if an incumbent is below 50%, you typically think of them as vulnerable. And I consider Donald Trump really the incumbent here. The problem is no one has been able to figure out an attack on Donald Trump that sticks. We've had yeah. millions and millions of dollars run on him, and none of them have really worked. If she can figure that out, perhaps, but she's got a long, long way to go. Yeah, she sure does. Simone, you've been in the trenches in campaigns that are underdog campaigns. Do you think Nikki Haley can no. come back? She's had three strong debate performances. Her poll numbers are shooting up, but she's still double digits behind Trump. Yeah, look, I think the fact that there are so many other candidates in the race and the race has not winnowed is something that is not playing to Nikki Haley's advantage. Now, the question is, if Ron DeSantis ends up dropping out, do his voters go to Nikki Haley? And I think the data suggests that they do not. That those mm. voters go to Donald Trump. And so it is probably advantageous for Nikki Haley for Ron DeSantis to continue to stay in this race. I think what's so interesting about her campaign to me is that she's been very clear on a number of things, how she feels. Ukraine, uh, foreign aid, right, uh, the, the deficit, right? But She's a little not as clear about what she thinks when it comes to abortion. And I think you're going to have to get a more concrete answer mm. as it goes on. But we need to create a dynamic where it is not just someone running for second place. And I think that people are dismissing the DeSantis Haley as who, who's running for second. If DeSantis gets out and it is just truly two candidates, I think that will change the perception of the race. Still a long shot for her to win, but I think that is a necessary thing. And I think all these big dollar donors who are rushing to Nikki Haley also need to be working to get DeSantis to drop. But he's not dropping out. He's not dropping out. He just got the endorsement in Iowa. I, I I don't disagree with what was just laid out, but what's missing about that is he's not dropping out. Um, it it's really become three candidates: President Trump, Ambassador Nikki Haley, and then Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. But right now, Haley and DeSantis are not, and I know Chris Christie's still in it, but he's putting, I'm not even going to use the sound. He, you know, they just have him on this week and he's still claiming he can, New Hampshire's where he's going to make his stand and that's wildly important. I don't, I don't see it. I don't see him connecting. The, the, a campaign can't just be Chris Christie now knocking President Trump and it doesn't seem to be much beyond that. He's another one. When when I when you listen to former Governor Chris Christie, when he would be on uh, this week with Stephanopoulos, I would think he you know he was he was strong, um, knows the nuance of the issues. I mean he obviously you know was competent enough. I think he missed his window in 2012 when Romney ran and he did not run. But I don't see it, and I think he's flat on the debate stage and if anyone's going to even come close to being competitive with president trump i don't think it's not going to be chris christie folks you're listening to the john DePietro show when it comes to insurance you need a neighbor a partner and friend you need shopper insurance agency they're located right on reservoir avenue in cranston call today free consultation 401 900 I-N-S-U, 401-900-4678, SHAPA Insurance, SIA, Stephen, very experienced, whether it's auto, home, renters, business insurance, flood, recreational, umbrella, any other protection for your assets, Rhode Island and Massachusetts, SHAPA Insurance Agency, your agency of choice. Call today, set up a meeting, they're so knowledgeable can have everything under one roof call shoppa insurance today 401 900 insu or 401 900 4678 look for them on facebook again located reservoir avenue in cranston shoppa insurance agency your neighbor your partner your friend one-stop insurance solutions You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Reaganomics was very popular. You know what's not very popular? What's not very popular is Bidenomics. He says it. Others don't like to say it. So they had a good panel discussion about this topic on Meet the Press. And I want to play some of the audio. Bidenomics has become a negative word among Democrats. Now, again, 
he likes to use it. I don't hear and he Governor McKee likes to use it. I don't hear other people using it. Here's what it sounded like with the um, panel discussion. How is this playing for him politically, do you think? Well, obviously, it'll be great if Americans are released with his hostages. But my sources are saying that President Biden also doesn't give a, get a lot of credit mm. for the, his successes, not only on this, but on a whole host of things. So that does concern Democrats on Capitol Hill. But meanwhile, you have a divide, especially among the Democratic Party and among Americans, about the president's stances on Israel. And now you're you're seeing a lot of pressure from members of Congress, not only for a ceasefire, mm -hmm. also for conditioning aid, as you also talked about, and also putting more public pressure on Netanyahu in the realms of this war. So it's still a very difficult situation for mm. President Biden politically. Simone, let's talk about some of this pressure that Leanne is describing. Your former boss, Senator Bernie Sanders, of course, you worked for him during worked his 26. I know you have. <laughs> um, he wrote an op bed that I reference, but let me read a part of it. He says, if asking nicely worked, we wouldn't be in this position. The only way these necessary changes will happen is if the United States uses the substantial leverage we have with Israel. The blank check approach must end. Again, he is saying that any aid to Israel, as Leanne is saying, needs to be conditional. You heard National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan not rule out that the president would support such a deal. Yeah, he didn't rule it out. I think um, I think having have worked for President Biden, it's very important and not to, to, to understand where your contours are. But I think what Jake did say is that uh, he believes the president has been vindicated in his strategy, mm. which is what the president himself said when asked about this conditioning aid to Israel and said it's a worthwhile conversation. But I think that if we had done that, I don't think we'd have gotten as far as we had gotten today. Uh, I think that the White House is very well aware, though, that conversations about conditioning aid to Israel are not just relegated to the most progressive parts of the Democratic Party apparatus. On Capitol Hill, there are moderate Democrats that are also engaging in these conversations. Senator Sanders on November 15th held a, a meeting amongst the Senate Democratic Caucus to talk about Israel and Hamas, brought in a number of different folks in that meeting, including Dennis Ross, who was a former peace negotiator for the Middle East region. And I, I think the question is, are these conversations going to turn to more legislative actions mm. with more moderate members. And potentially they can, which is also why, again, Jake Sullivan left room this morning. Yeah, it's a really great point. And Brendan, what's also so notable, that reference to a blank check is what we've heard from Republicans. Some Republicans who've said, we don't want to write a blank check to Ukraine. So there are divisions happening in both parties. And you just heard Congressman Turner say he's not confident that they can get this big, robust aid package done by the end of the year. How was this playing, broadly speaking? Yeah, it's remarkable. In the immediate aftermath of uh, the, the attack on, on Israel, it felt like it was just going to be a matter of days or weeks before aid was was passed through Congress. And now here we are, and we're really no closer. And I do think it is that Ukraine aid that is the biggest holdup. There are clearly mm. divisions on Israel, and, and what that looks like is, is an open question. But the president made a bet that he needed to use the leverage that he has on Israel to get funding for Ukraine, which has been stalling for a long time. And now that's become so complicated. And we hear a lot about a blank check and what the difference is between the two. I think the big difference is we already spent $113 billion in Ukraine, and there's a lot of wariness to continue sending foreign aid. Foreign aid is never popular, but now Ukraine has, has gone on for so long, and the longer something sits out, the harder it is to pass. And now they're tying it to border policy as well, an issue that Democrats and Republicans have not been able to agree on for decades. And so this entire package is really in jeopardy. It's truly one of the most fraught issues, border policy. Mm -hmm. Leanne, let, let's talk about 2024 a little bit in domestic politics, if we could. President Biden obviously being tested on his handling of this foreign policy crisis, but yeah. also the economy, a top issue. He's been getting low marks. We have seen, though, as we head into the holidays, the rate of inflation is dropping. The rate of gas prices are dropping. And I'm hearing, based on my conversations, a lot of Democrats are saying his messaging needs to shift yeah. away from Bidenomics to really understanding Americans who say we're not feeling this yet. Yeah, Bidenomics has really been kind of a negative, become a negative word, especially among Democrats, because it's not working. I was texting with some members of Democratic members of Congress. Think of that. I mean, it's not working. I, who feels that he's doing a great job with the economy? No one that's realistic. The only people that I hear that they think he's doing a great job seems to be like Governor McKee and the Rhode Island delegation. The rest of the country, they don't. 
That's refreshing to hear. An anchor with the Washington Post, Leon Caldwell, say Bidenomics is a negative word with the Democrat Party. It continues. Here we go. All right. But 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 the bottom line is what I like about that is I think they're being realistic. I think they're being realistic that the mat the 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 real truth is that people do not feel that they're really seeing uh, the improvements on the economy that the president and his team seem to think that people are noticing. Um, and you just you hear people talking about it with just you know with what just happened with Thanksgiving and how much your Thanksgiving meal cost and it, it it's just it's not they're not connecting because people don't don't believe it. I want to go back to um what this person is saying. Really in jeopardy. It's truly one of the most fraught issues, border policy. Leanne, let, let's talk about 2024 a little bit in domestic politics, if we could. President Biden obviously being tested on his handling of this foreign policy crisis, but yeah. also the economy, a top issue. He's been getting low marks. We have seen, though, as we head into the holidays, the rate of inflation yep. is dropping. The rate of gas prices are dropping. And I'm hearing, based on my conversations, a lot of Democrats are saying his messaging needs to shift yeah. away from Bidenomics. It's not working. To really understanding Americans who say we're not feeling this no. yet. Yeah, Bidenomics has really been kind of a negative, become a negative word, especially among Democrats, because it's not working. I was texting with some members of Democratic members of Congress last night, just trying to get a read over the holiday weekend, what they're hearing at home and what people are saying. And these members said that it is just not looking good mm. for President Biden politically out there, that he would probably lose some swing states if if the election were held today. So they have a lot of work to do to, once again, like I said, try to get uh, get credit for the successes that he's had over the past two years, which he keeps on getting blamed for everything bad that's happening. I mean, this point Leanne is making is, I think that the Biden campaign also understands that. I spoke to Quentin Folks earlier this week, and I asked them, look, you spent a lot of money on ads, mm -hmm. and they are rec at a record number investing in African-American and Latino mm -hmm. ads. They've gone up earlier and deeper than any presidential campaign before. However, the door knocking and the organizing, the people, people organizing in communities has not ramped up yet. And I asked, when is that going to happen? Because the folks are not giving the president credit for things that they can feel. And uh, I think Quentin noted to me, he said, look, I understand that. And we are hoping to get people on the ground as soon as possible in the early new year. So it is something that I also think the campaign is, is looking at. Quentin, of course, is with the campaign. What's so interesting about that? We've seen the president's poll numbers really drop among those key groups, including voters of color. Brendan, let's talk about Republicans. The Iowa caucus is 50 days away. Fact of the matter is, then it's not going to change. His age factor blurs out a lot. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. Do you need a good plumber? I found the best plumber, JMB Plumbing. Call them today. All your plumbing needs. 401 743 9153. JMB Plumbing. They've been providing plumbing services for years. Skilled professionals stand behind their work. Guarantee you will be happy. Maybe it's repairing damaged water pipes, repair clogged pipelines, maybe replace a, a water heater, as well as all your plumbing needs. Call them now. It's JMB Plumbing, 401 743 9153. Nothing throws off your life or your home or your business. When you need plumbing service, you need someone reliable, someone who's professional, someone who'll handle the job and do it right. It's JMB Plumbing. Call them today, 401 743 9153. JMB Plumbing. And look for them on Facebook. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Folks, at times, doesn't it? It feels like the world. What is wrong? People are nuts. Listen to this. I found this online where this person, uh, if you spoke to Sophie on the phone, would you think he was a man or a woman? He's not happy. He wants the police to treat this as a hate crime. So now this is in the UK. 
and it's a man standing outside the Santander Bank, and he's got makeup on and lipstick, and listen to him tell his story. And again, it's um, this was over the phone where he thought that someone had breached his account, and he's saying, this is Sophie, and the people in the bank are saying, well, it certainly doesn't sound like a Sophie. Listen to this. I'm outside Santander in Hove. Uh, this morning I went online and spotted a number of fraudulent transactions on my bank account. Uh, I rang up their online banking to uh, report it. Went through all of the security checks. Um, no problem, obviously, because it's my account. Uh, but still couldn't talk to them on the phone because uh, my voice is not perceived to be that of Sophie. So um, I was just wondering when... Uh, perceived gender became one of the security <laughs> questions. So I've already spoken to Sussex Police, who I'm a hate crime ambassador for, uh, and they actually want it reported as a non-crime hate incident because the law allows for any kind of perceived prejudice uh, to be recorded as um, as unacceptable. And so I'm going about to go in and see them. Uh, and the problem is that I'm talking to them on the phone this morning and my account's been compromised and I'm feeling vulnerable and yet they are unable to help me. So let's see what they say in a branch. Well, I've just come out of Santander where we've cancelled my card and ordered the new one. Um, I did get called sir twice in the process, including once in response to me actually pointing out to them that my account said miss, uh, which was quite disappointing. So Santander, you really need to sort out your trans awareness training. And um, I will be taking this up with the uh, people online. I'm not going to be arguing in the the branch. I'll I'll talk to you online. You know, I I am telling you, folks, I feel bad for people in customer service. You see this individual. He's a large man with dark feet. Well, not dark features, but um, dark eyebrows. But he's got like a hat on. He's got on lipstick. He's name is sophie and he's upset that they made him come into the branch because they're saying well it doesn't sound like a sophie and then when he goes in the person it's called him sir i mean i and he wants to report this as not a hate crime but a hate the police said they'd report it as a hate incident um because he felt he wasn't being addressed properly so the people that posted this, if you spoke to, quote, Sophie on the phone, would you think he was a woman? He's not happy, and he wants the police to treat this as a heat crime. And Megan Kelly said, Sophie, let me explain, you're a man. It's obvious to anyone looking or listening to you. You can pretend you're female all you want, but what you learn today is you're not fooling anyone. In fact, you're not even close to passing. And she's exactly right. Um, but again, I, I feel bad for the individuals that, um, that are on the front lines, wh- whatever it may be. Maybe it's someone at a counter for a car rental agency or anywhere where hotel check-in, you're dealing with someone. God forbid you use the wrong uh, sir or miss or whoever, and then they, they go ballistic on you. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. This portion of the program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Pop in and see them, whether it's for lunch, nice weather, you can sit outside on the deck, or maybe sit in the dining room, delicious food. Then they also have a great full bar, large dining area, and you're going to love the lounge. The Lodge Pub and Eatery. People rave about their delicious, consistent, great food, and also the great staff. I'll see you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln.